The discovery of psychedelics is the discovery that all of this cultural machinery is just Wizard of Oz stuff. Go think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. That's it. How did it feel to you? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. The prophecy. Welcome to the Astro Mind Podcast. What's up, guys? It's Cal Thank you so much for joining me again on another episode of the Astro Mind Podcast. My Astro Mind Mystics, I hope you're having your best day. Here's peace, here's love, here's life. Today I've got Bridget on the channel. She is a wonderful mystic. She is a wise woman of meditation. And I'm just excited to really get into things. Uh, but first, let me let you guys know that Bridget is a transformational healer. She's a founder of the Path to Power programs, where she empowers people to heal from within. And that's what we're going to be talking about mostly in this, in this podcast today, is healing from within, the secrets of meditation, and really how to get the most out of your life. So Bridget, why don't you say hello to the audience and introduce yourself a little bit. Let us know a little bit about who you are. Yeah, happy to be here. I love your energy. I love what you're bringing to your audience. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so you've said, I mean, you said a lot already. I'm a transformational healer. I've been helping people to heal their bodies and their minds for the last uh, 25 years. This is my path. It's what I'm here for. And um, through offering people tools and techniques and new ways to look at themselves in the world, we can really transform what's possible in our bodies and our minds. And that's what I'm here for. That's a powerful message. I, I love telling people about the power of their mind and how it can change their world. That's my whole message on YouTube is that uh, you have the power within you. So often I feel like we're reaching out for the external things to validate us internally. And that's just a backwards way to live. So, Bridget, I want to ask, how did you get your start in all of this? Like, what was the pivotal moment that made you just, you know, kind of click and say, ah, this is how I want to serve the world. This is how I want to help people. Well, you know, it kind of were, it was a few moments and it's evolved mm -hmm. over time because the more I said yes to serving in the ways that I do, the more the path unfolds and just kind of like takes all the turns that it takes. Believe it or not, I remember being 17 and waking up one day realizing there was something wrong on the planet. And that was my first conscious recognition that I need to like do something to help, you know, the earth. And so it started there and the path just led me to, um, finding my spirituality, connecting with my teachers, finding a larger community that mm -hmm. gathered around ceremony and healing. And I started helping people, um, working with people. And then I started to teach people. And it's evolved. It keeps evolving. I now help healers to take the work out into the world. Hmm. So it's just kind of a winding, yeah, spirally kind of thing. 
Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Now, you talk a bit about uh, specific meditation techniques, and I, I want to get an, into a bit of that as we move forward. But you mentioned, uh, you know, mentors and, and people that came along as guides when you first started. Uh, what was the experience like of meeting those people, meeting those uh, those guides and learning from them? Uh, my audience is thrilled by stories of, you know, uh, meeting the, the mentor that kind of initiates your spiritual journey. What was that like for you? Yes. I have to say I've been really blessed and fortunate to find some darn good teachers. Uh, my first teacher, I have a few first teachers that I found or found me, we would say. And um, I just knew when I met them, they had like a, you know, like a vibratory field around them and something within them that just told me, lean in, they have something for you. Um, and my first, my first, I was 22 and 24 when I met my first teacher. I was young. And my guidance has always been really, really strong. And so my first, my first teachers um, on the shamanic path, who I still work with over 20 years later, I met them at a workshop that somebody was hosting. And um, they, or I met them at a gathering where someone was hosting, um, that someone was hosting and there was workshops there. And I just took a workshop with them. Becky and Crow are their names. And um, I just, they were people, are people who walk their path. They're not just teaching something. They're living it. And their teachings are an extension of how they live. And they just brought us, my friend and myself, into their, into their teaching and into their life. And I started learning with them. They're really kind of like um, of the earth people who yeah. um, changed the way that I look at the world. Yeah. Interesting. I like yeah. that of the earth. Very cool. And you hit one of the buzzer words for me, shamanism. I like that very much. Can you give me, uh, if you will, a, a, a bit of a dissertation, a, a little debriefer on shamanism for you and how you practice shamanism? You said your mentors were practicers of it. And I really love that because I feel like there are a lot of spiritual people nowadays who are just, they just put on the show they just dress the part. They know the words to say, but they don't practice it themselves. How do you practice shamanism? True, true. And shamanism is a way of life. Mm. It's, it's a way of life. And, I mean, if we really get into it, the word shaman comes from um, European people who observed, observed Siberian practices in the 15 and 1600s. Shamans um, come from Mongolia and Siberia. And they are specific practices and specific um, ceremonies that they're involved in that move them into deep levels of trance so that they can go into altered states and bring back information from their spirits to work with um, people for healing um, individually and on a community level. So that I feel, I feel like it's important to honor where the word shaman comes from because yeah. shamanism has been like turned into like this catchphrase for everything. And it's not. It really isn't. It, it's very specific to a particular group of people in that region. Now, you know, um, so knowing that, and I could probably go on for a while about that, but I don't, don't need to. Don't worry. <laughs> you could go where you need to go. All right. Knowing that, my, my, teachers, um, my teachers taught me how to create ceremony. They taught me how to work with the drum they taught me how to honor indigenous teachings and wisdoms, and they taught me how to walk close to the earth. 
And so I developed a relationship with my own healing and helping spirits because they were able to guide me in a protocol and a process that allowed me to make my own relationship with what I call the, the spirit to the spirit helpers. Right. And so I take that connection mm-hmm. and um, it helps me to help other people. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. It, it brings to mind uh, the shamanic journey. Is that a, is that a legitimate thing that, that happens when you're practicing authentic yes. shamanism? What is that like? What is a, an experience like that you would practice? Well, I will, I will share that here in the States, most people are practicing contemporary shamanism. Traditional shamanism, as it's in Mongolia and Siberia, we don't have the setup for that here. So the type of altered states that a Siberian or a Mongolian shaman will go into are different than what American cultured people are doing because we just don't have the context for it. So that's important to note and to notice, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I work with the drum and the repetitive sound and the motion of the drum to move me into an altered state so that I can communicate with my own spirit helpers and kind of get the bird's eye view on what a person needs for healing. And then I bring that information back And there's a variety of techniques that I do in conjunction with my helpers that help to restore people's power. Hmm. I see. So you talk about helpers a little bit. And that's really interesting for me because I I work with spirits. I'm a a bit of a magician. I I like to say I know the word kind of sets people off because we've got the Hollywoodized magician. Uh, But I do a lot of work with uh, people in the Middle East, uh, Lebanon specifically, and uh, I'm learning a more Renaissance Arabic sort of magic, and that does require the the uh, connection with many spirits oftentimes who help you and give you information and things like that. Um, how would a normal person, for instance, uh, like myself, who, who knows nothing of shamanism in the roots that you describe, how would I go about starting a shamanic uh, practice and, and connecting with these helpers? Good question. Thank you. What I, yeah, what I would say is that one of, the, one of the really important factors in shamanic practice is relationships. In shamanic practice, we have relationships with the natural world, with the elemental forces, with the spirits, with our own soul. And so the relationship, the aspects of relationship that are, are, you would be familiar with apply to your relationships in shamanism. So there is a ask and a listen. There's a lean in and a lean back. There's a quiet while we're receiving information. So looking at your relationship with the natural world, your own guides, however you should uh, name them, as a back and forth and as if you're creating a relationship and tending to that relationship is where to start. So I believe that we have a need for human world teachers as well as teachers in the invisible realms. And how can we, how could you, I would suggest to create a relationship with your spiritual and your physical world teachers. Um, And you can create a relationship 
by creating a space in your heart and in your home and in the natural world where you can communicate, where you can ask and listen. I see. That makes sense. Yeah, it sounds a bit like um, creating an altar sort of thing, creating a designated meditation space, things like that. that. That sounds very interesting. You do somewhat the same thing. There's this this courting almost, this uh, this respect that's given to the spirits that I communicate with. So it makes sense that it would be the same way for Mongolian shamans and things. But there is this like, you, you know, give these things, give these offerings and things like that out of respect. Not that the spirit needs them. It's just you're aligning yourself and, and in that relationship. That's very interesting. Um, does this move into uh, meditation, for instance? Because you said you use the drum and that's very interesting. Uh, I've, yes. you know, I've gone through YouTube and like shamanic drums, 140 beats per minute. I was like, I don't know what this means, but how does the drum affect your consciousness? Yeah. The drum played at a particular, um, beat in a particular range over and over again, move, it, it changes your brain waves and you can move into, um, move into altered states, like move into an alpha state or delta state. You can move into deeper states of consciousness through the re- repetition of the drum. And when your mind, uh, there's a couple things happening. When your mind has something to listen to, something to, t- to sort of tend to, to pay attention to, the rest of you is able to have a spiritual experience. And when you're playing a drum or something repetitive like shakers or rattles, you're keeping your body busy and you're putting your body into a rhythm that's conducive to allowing a spiritual experience to happen. And so folks usually need to get used to um, and kind of drop in and get comfortable with that repetitive sound or repetitive process. And um, the nervous system begins to relax so once that happens, you can tend to your altered state of consciousness. Hmm. Okay, so once we get going in the process, the drums, I'm assuming dancing would work the same way, any repetitive motion and sound. So it's like it occupies the conscious mind enough for your brain waves to shift. I, I've talked a little bit about trance on my channel and I, I do some hypnotherapy as well. So it's like, I, I like learning about these new things. It's very interesting. Um, so where would you go after you're in a trance? Say I'm trying to communicate with helpers. I'm trying to uh, find healing for someone. How do I go about moving into that shamanic journey after I'm there? If you want to divulge the secrets, the the tools of the trade for us. Well, it takes a little while to learn to learn how to do this. And the way that I was taught and the way that I teach is thorough. So the first thing we would do, even before we practice any sort of alter states or journeying, is we'd talk about you and your energy field, your energy body, and how you manage your own energy before we go anywhere else. Because you need to be able to be rooted in the earth and be able to come back to your center before we go anywhere. So I spend a good amount of time practicing that with folks before I talk to them about going anywhere or having any sort of an altered state experience. Mm. Because depending on where you're at in your life, where your nervous system is, what your experience is, sometimes it, it can be, um, it's challenging to do any expanded meditative practices if you don't have a connection to your core. 
So we do that first. What That's does that look thing. like? Says, this is something that I like touching on before we move forward with anyone, especially people who want to learn magic because it's such a, and, and I'm sure with shamanism, it's such a demanding and serious thing when you're working with these entities uh, to not have your own, you know, to have your stuff together, I want to say, oh, yeah. you know, to go into things with this negative baggage on you. Uh, so is that is that what you mean about kind of like aligning yourself? How would you go about doing that? Yeah, through breathing. Well, mm. okay, so there's like, there's lifestyle practices that are going to enable you, you to be in a good place for these practices, right? Like lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So like getting enough rest, drinking enough water, not having a ton of toxic people in your life, making good choices, making, you know, like all making sure you're sleeping, all those things, right? Like are important. Mm-hmm. And then working on your breathing and your ability to calm yourself naturally and come into what I call your center, which is like that center line of energy that moves through you. Or you can also, you know, um, find it in your heart or in your solar plexus so that you, and I know there's a magician, you know this, you can at will bring yourself back from wherever you go. And if you have an experience that you're not really sure what to do with, you can come back to your center so that you can process it. Mm, and that should be like a first thing that we get together. Like first before, thing. listen up everyone, <laughs> before <laughs> diving into more uh, serious and deep meditative practices, you got to have your life together. There's this interesting thing about um, uh, like these uh, Far East practices and Buddhism and, and Hinduism and things where they practice yoga. They call it the eight limbs of yoga because there's a whole checklist of things before you get to the deep meditative stuff where you're trying to reach samadhi or connection or oneness with all things. And all that is is learning how to stretch, learning how to take care of your body, eating better, removing people from your space who are negative, things like that. So it's it's excellent that you've mentioned these like preliminary steps before really getting into, uh, you know, getting into the, the fun stuff, I would say. Yeah, because, so, well, I hear, so I've been probably as long as you, involved in the spiritual, personal development, self-development industries. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I notice that there is a tendency for everybody to want to like leave their body and ascend and have some sort of expanded experience. Mm-hmm. And people forget that we're actually in bodies and need to be grounded and rooted in our bodies to be able to even process any of that. A lot of times people are living from like here up and we need to be in our bodies to have a full experience. Mm, that's something you don't hear. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Because like you said, people are ready to ascend and have these transcendental experiences. And uh, I wrote a book recently, The Cure for Enlightenment. And in that book, I'm talking about how enlightening experiences should be the natural. It shouldn't be a mountaintop experience to have enlightenment. It should be your daily life of walking as an enlightened person. Uh, experiencing the bliss of normal life because life is a it's a cacophony of this amazing what is this life thing we're experiencing here uh, and so it's it's interesting that you would mention like we have to be in our bodies and you talk about respecting earth and and you know connecting with earth and things like that um, how important is that to 
the work of shamanism. And and like I said, I want to get into like your take on meditation and how that should be done. But the shamanism thing just it just took me <laughs> a different way. I, I can feel it. I know I, it's I so it. interesting. Yeah. 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 Well, the I mean the the earth is without the earth and the elemental forces that are on the earth in the earth of the earth we wouldn't be here right so honoring the energy of the earth physically and spiritually is really important Mm -hmm. the earth has a physical energy you know the trees have a physical energy the the grass and the waters have a physical energy in their spirit there's essence to all of that and we have this beautiful opportunity talk about like enlightenment all the time we have this beautiful opportunity to communicate with the essence of the water, the essence of the air, the essence of the earth and the trees. And so spiritual experiences are not just like here and, you know, out in the ethers. They're everywhere. And so communicating with the natural world is a, it's a gift that we can do this. And I think that we would all be in a better place if we would spend a little more time talking to the earth. Mm, that's powerful. Yeah. I like that. You know, when I hear the word shamanism or, or shamanic journeys and things like that, it makes me think of uh, the Amazon and these ayahuasca retreats. Where does that kind of tie into your experience? I knew we were going to go here. Oh, we had to. <laughs> <laughs> we had to. Well, you know what's interesting is when I first started practicing shamanism over 20 years ago there wasn't a ton of talk about ayahuasca there wasn't a lot of south american and central american flavor coming through it has started to come through since then and so with it comes the medicines of those places and like we americans like to do we sensationalize things and so the, the buzzword is ayahuasca, even though there are like many, many, many other plant spirits that are transformative and healing, ayahuasca is the big one. Mm-hmm. And so my, I was not trained in a way where I work with plant spirits in that way. I ride the drum and my voice. And so I respect and honor the plant spirits from, the, from Central and South America and I think that they're being um, not properly communicated with by a lot of folks. There's, you know, respectful ways and disrespectful ways to go about communicating with those spirits. And um, I think that we need to we need to rein ourselves in because there's good medicine there, mm-hmm. and we're not always going about it in the right way. Mm. Yeah, I, I definitely see that. I definitely see that. I feel like there's a tendency to to flock over to that new flavor, as you put it, just for the experience of ayahuasca. And and I believe those are very powerful experiences, but I don't think they're meant for everyone. Um, I don't think that everyone is supposed to go down that specific path. Like you said, uh, you communicate with these spirits and you reach these states through your voice and through the drum. And to me, that's that's so much more valuable because my body is extremely sensitive. Yeah. And so taking ayahuasca, I don't think I'd ever come back. <laughs> well, hopefully you would have a properly somebody who's properly, properly trained to guide you mm. in that process. 
Um, and there are people who are properly trained who are sharing those ceremonies and that medicine. It, it makes a lot of sense that there would be people doing it right and people doing it wrong. I've, I've experienced that before uh, with just other things, general practices of magic. There are always people who are teaching you something that they have no business teaching. And then you've got the person that's doing it properly. Uh, so I've gotten to the point where I, I want to ask, because I'm very interested, how do you go about meditating? What's your secrets, your hidden techniques for meditating to reach a place of healing, to connect to these entities, things like that? How would you go about that? Yeah, well, um, this is a great question because so many people feel like they can't meditate. They think that they're not able to. Um, they feel like if they can't sit quietly, it's not going to work. One of the, and like cutting right to the chase, one of the secrets I find to meditation is a short practice every day, a short practice that's imperfect every day. So spending five to 10 minutes, preferably at the same time every day, so you can kind of get a ritual of it, being in a space where you're away from screens and away from anything that would distract you and just simply being. We can add into that movement, music, breathing, mantra, singing bowls. We can add all of that in and that's all helpful. And simply sitting and being in your own essence for five to 10 minutes a day. That's like, that's magic. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> I love that. Just the fact that you said just sitting and being, I love how things connect. That is, that is all what I'm about because so many people are trying to find the next best technique the next best method and I was a victim of this as well and I still kind of I love to find the method because as I'm sure you would know being a shaman there are specific ways that people have found to be the best practices and so I like to find those but when it comes to meditation you said it like you, you really hit the nail on the head uh, music dance movement these things that people wouldn't attribute to meditation they, they wouldn't know to do that Yes. Well, and you know, it's interesting. I needed to teach myself how to be calm. I, as a child, moved around a lot. I would have been, you know, diagnosed as ADD, whatever the label is. And I needed to learn for myself how to bring myself into a calm place. It's not my natural state of being. I'm all over the place, very energetic. And I have learned that we, we, when we work with what our bodies naturally want to do, it's much more easy or it's easier to meditate. Um, I find that a little bit of swaying in the body, like natural swaying when it comes naturally, can help to move us into a meditative state. Whereas some people might say, no, 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 you got to sit completely still. I don't believe that. I believe if we work with our body and with what is naturally occurring, instead of fighting against us ourselves and making ourselves do something we don't want to or have trouble with, we're going to get where we need and want to be. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. There, there is this cookie cutter style of meditation that's kind of sweep the nation where people yes. are afraid to do something that seems more natural. Uh, I've, I've advocated for just closing your eyes and observing the, your, your eyelids and just staying like that for a moment. And uh, the experiences I've had doing that have just been 
you know, I'm suddenly in a different place. I'm suddenly seeing images from forests and I'm all over the place. I'm like, whoa, whoa, this is pretty sweet. Let me teach this to other people. It's pretty cool. Uh, what would you say are some of the some of those interesting experiences that you've had practicing shamanism? Some of those uh, adventures you've gone on, if you don't mind sharing them. Oh, sure. Yeah. Some of the really interesting adventures I've gone on have been times when I'm not really trying to do anything. I'm just allowing the drum to move my brain weight, move me into an altered state. And I hold an intention of what it is I want to do, meet a helper or do a healing for somebody. And I let go of my um, thinking mind, which that in itself is, is no small feat, like to just not be attached to what I'm experiencing. Um, and going into places where I meet... Uh, some of my ancestor spirits. That has been really, really cool. With ancestors and things, like what do they do? Like, how, like because this is it's a new concept for me. Uh, working with ancestors, I'm just like spirits, guides, things like that. But ancestors are very interesting, and I, I see a lot of people get benefit out of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what what do you do with your ancestors? Well, I thank them. Mm. I offer gratitude for all that they went through and, ha and, and bring through for me. Um, and I communicate and I ask for their support in things that I need support in. I have one particular one who helps me and she really is just to help me. She doesn't help me so much with healing other people. She just is like my companion and my buddy almost mm -hmm. in the spirit world. One thing people have brought to my attention a lot of times is uh, because I'm an astral projection coach, I teach people how to, to go into these, these inner universes and explore the outer universe from that. Uh, people express to me this uh, innate fear with that. And I'm sure with shamanism, there is there can be this fear and this trepidation of going into these deeper waters. How would you uh, suggest people handle fear and overcome this fear, whether it be from life or from spiritual things? There is there is fear programs into our conditioning a lot of times. So I think it's important to take a look at our conditioning and um, recognize that fear is n normal and see where it comes from mm. and then work with it uh, to be honest with you and you you know you know this as well as i do working in magical energetic realms there are there are all sorts of energies in the universe mm -hmm. some of them are perceived as good some of them are perceived as bad and really they just all exist in the ways that they need to exist my judging them right, is like my judgment, um, learning how to navigate and negotiate energies in the universe without getting freaked out about them, that is very much in alignment with the path of a shamanic healer or shaman, shamanic practices. We go into neutral mm -hmm. instead of going into fear. And so that's my whole sort of take, my personal take on um, working with a variety of energies in the universe. I don't have to get attached to whether they're good or bad. If somebody is super afraid of the spirit realms, then we're going to talk about how to, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to 
I will let people know in the 20 years of teaching shamanic practices, nobody's ever been taken away by evil entities. You know, <laughs> I go, I really take time with them. I explain and work them through their fear. And then it usually winds up being okay. Oh, I love that. Because oftentimes we, we immediately judge it. And the fact that you said you, I don't go in these experiences judging them, these energies that come through, that's the best way to navigate it. Because you wind up, from what I've experienced, you wind up being pulled almost by a force of gravity toward these things that you perceive as evil. Like you, you get pulled into this fear. And so it's, it's very interesting that just being neutral to work with them. So you're a transformative healer. Mm-hmm. And, and shamanism has brung you into this. It's, it's, it's brung you in line with this. What exactly is transformative healing? How do I get started doing it? Teach yeah. us the ways. In <laughs> <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> yeah, teach us the Transformational ways. healing is about transforming your consciousness and your way of life so that healing is natural. And so that involves uh, a new take of, on your thoughts and your heart and your connection with your own body. Instead of saying, my arm is broken, I just need to heal my arm so it's better. I look at the whole system, physical, emotional, spiritual, the whole system. And let's balance your whole system. Let's make whatever shifts we need in your heart and your mindset. Let's connect you with your soul so that you are, the healing is not isolated to one particular part of your body or part of your world. You're transforming the whole package. You're transforming everything. And healing then just becomes a part of it and it becomes normal. I've seen you talk a little bit about, and I've seen some information pertaining to you about uh, healing past traumas and things like this. Does that kind of fall in line with this same thing? And like, and like, how do people tap into healing their past traumas? Because if it's not just, ah, oh, my arm feels bad, let me heal it. If it's tied to something energetically, something from your your core image, how do you go about changing that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so being in a relationship, creating a relationship with your body, your heart, your soul, that's where it starts so that you can ask questions and receive answers and they don't know it doesn't always come auditorily or verbally sometimes it just comes from a deep knowing so being in a relationship i think is the um is the place to start a lot of times when we have traumas from the past there's energy that has leaked mm-hmm. or places in our past where we've lost power and so there's processes that I help to facilitate that help to bring people's power back. And that is one approach that I utilize for healing past trauma. So bringing power back to a person from places where it was lost, given away, or taken. I've heard some other people talk about something like that. And the way they put it is, when you're stuck and you have trauma in the past, it's like it's consuming your energy from moving forward and, you know, manifesting the life you want, things like that, because you're stuck in this past hurt, this this woundedness within you is, is drawing your energy. 
And so it's interesting to see the parallel there, just going back and healing that sort of thing. With that, shamanism is interesting to me. I love that. I love transformative healing and things like that. Um, how do you branch that into connecting with spirits? Because I know you're a shaman. I know you heal and you use the spirits to help you heal people. How do I learn how to, to bring this natural healing ability out? Right. And you don't have to be a shamanic practitioner oh, in great. order to do that. You don't need to. <laughs> yeah. And you also don't, you know, you can learn how to communicate with your body and your heart and your soul and mm. your inner guidance or your intuition. And that can be, you know, what you do to heal yourself. And you can learn how to communicate with your own spirit helpers so that they can help you to do that. And you can communicate with your spirit helpers without being a shaman or a shamanic practitioner. These are practices and ways of being that people can embody and develop. And they can really help you to move forward without you having to like be, do what I do or do what somebody else who's a shamanic practitioner does. And so how do you do it? Listening, creating a relationship, spending time in silence so that you can actually hear your own soul or pay attention to your own soul and be guided by it. That's where I would start. And then from there, I would suggest that you develop a regular practice where you move into some type of state where you can communicate with your own, where you can identify your own spirit helpers and then begin a relationship with them. I see. And you move into the States with the drama, with your voice. With your voice, what do you mean? Just like singing and things like that? How, how does that unfold? Yes, singing. And it's not necessarily like singing a song with words. My shamanic teacher, Becky, um, taught me how to open up my voice not from my throat, but from my stomach, my core, the core energy in my belly. And that is a different vibration altogether. It's different than just like singing a song. And so bringing that energy up and riding that energy, that vibration is one of the ways that I connect with, that I connect with and communicate with spirit and myself. And so that's something that takes a little while. Yeah. to to tap into like there's specific techniques and practices to get there if so, you ever watch kids little kids um mm-hmm. who sing like yeah. when they when they sing they're like in their own altered state they make up rhymes they we all know how to do this mm-hmm. yeah we just lose track of it right like we're programmed to move away from those practical things we used to do as kids uh, it's interesting to see that a lot of spirituality is getting back to the beauty of childhood in a more controlled way. It's, yeah. it is really fascinating. And I, I can just tell as you're talking about, it, it's like, man, I want to learn some of this stuff. I need to <laughs> take some time it's like, because right. I feel like we have a lot of, it's almost like uh, Taco Bell in America, you know, Americanized Mexican food. We have Americanized shamanism. Me too. You know, we get the watered down diluted version of everything here. Uh, my mentor over in uh, the Middle East he says, like, you guys have magic over there, but what you guys have is, like, half-quarter spells and rituals that don't amount to anything. It's just dangerous, you know? You guys will call spirits to you and won't know how to send them away or how to work with them, respect them, none of that. And it's dangerous. 
So it's it, you know it's good that you're teaching how to how to navigate those realms more effectively. People get really spun out when they don't have proper training and they're taking little bits of like nuggets of knowledge from these different traditions and then like trying to like make a whole thing out of it and they don't have the right context for it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How did you find your teacher in Lebanon? I was just pure serendipity, pure luck, I would call it. Just uh, someone told me that luck was the combination of preparation and opportunity. Uh, I had I told you I made some videos on trance, and I, I think still, if you search YouTube, my, my trance, how to get into a trance video is still like top two or three or something up there. Um, and so he found me like that. He's like, I was trying to find a hypnotherapist, someone who could teach me how to get into a trance and communicate with my subconscious mind. And the person I spoke to before you, they wouldn't help me. And then I contacted you and you were so free with the information and you helped me out. And it was, I gave him free sessions here and there. And he was like, I'll teach you whatever you want to know. Um, and I was just like, hey, look at that, you know, just out of the blue. And he's like, yeah, I've done spells for this and that. And magic is so, it's, it's absolutely mind blowing. Like all the things that you can do and not saying that I have done the plethora of things that my mentor has done or even seen himself, but uh, just to know that it's out there. And when you really confide and trust in a person, it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is it. Like, this is legit. I'm happy to have finally found this. And so it makes me curious about your mentors and, you know, uh, like the, the amazing experiences you have with them. That's why I always ask about it. And it's such a blessing to have physical teachers who have that much experience. Mm. You know, because a lot of people are teaching, like they go to a weekend workshop and they're like, oh, I'm teaching this stuff. And they, they, there's not a lot of depth because they're still new on the path. You've, I do believe that those of us who were supposed to be reaching a lot of people, we have to be shored up. You know, we have to have good teachers. And so, yeah, I found mine a long time ago and they've been nothing but humble. And they, you know, they don't like hide things or act like you're not ready for this, you know, because some I've I spent earlier years involved in um, the witchcraft community. Mm -hmm. And there's an overlap between witchcraft and ceremonial magic. Yes. And so I know a fair amount of about both. And there can be this sort of like egoic power thing that happens, at least in the Americanized version of those realms that I just don't, my shamanic teachers don't do that at all. And That's I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yeah. It is a blessing. I've, I've come face to face with that sort of thing several times. And, uh, someone from the Middle East that I met, uh, with this, with this mentor that I have now, uh, who I no longer speak to because of that, you know, it's a, you know, it was a bad thing. And he's, he's apologized for me even meeting that person. And he's like, Hey, like, we're going to fix all of that stuff that happened, you know, all of that. But, I, I cherish this person like a, a, a good friend, like a brother. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's really good, and I, and I appreciate that. Well, I thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It was amazing. Thank you. I, I want to leave some space for you to, to tell the people listening, the people watching on YouTube, uh, where they can find more of you. Like, uh, what projects are you working on now? I know a lot of people are going to want to learn how to do what you do and how to you know, go about that. So where can they find more of that? Sure. Um, everything is pretty much under my name, Bridget Murphy. Um, my website is Bridget Murphy. My IG is Bridget Murphy. My YouTube is Bridget Murphy Healing. Um, and all of my um, 
everything can be accessed through there. I've got a free uh, video series for people who want to start to awaken the power within them. Um, I think I think I send you a link to that uh, if people want to just learn how to do that for themselves. That's going to do it for this episode of the Astromind Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for joining me again. I love you guys so much. If you need anything, it'll be in the comment section below uh, the description. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, leave them there. Uh, and as always, blessings, love and light. Namaste. Never stop adventuring. Okay, I had to do it right that time. All right, perfect. <laughs> that was all. All but a bend in a small mind Scream about nothing but fear Trying to run up a decline Maybe one day we'll learn from the truth Maybe we'll fly by